2: This is Too Many Lawyers, I'm Royal Oaks And I'm Connor Oaks So welcome to the podcast, Happy New Year As always we get got two topics And a round of America's Favorite Game Show Guess the verdict. We'll see how Connor does today with a, uh, a topic. Uh, the topic is, is kind of an odd one, uh, Connor.
3: They're always odd with you. And that's why it's my favorite section of the show. We don't just blow you about, about the news, we also put my uh, failing, shrinking uh, <laughs> you know, millennial brain uh, to the test and decide uh, do I know what the
2: heck I'm talking about with well, the law? This is going to be a good one. It's the case of the sexualized accident victim. So we'll just see how you handle that. I don't love that. How you handle that. All right, topic number one, we pose the musical question. Uh, This is the first time I've ever sung on our podcast. Oh, no. How do you solve a problem like George Santos? That's pretty good, actually. I was surprised. There's no way, uh, nothing like Julie Andrews. No, it was nothing like Julie Andrews whatsoever, but not that bad. Apologies to Rodgers and Hammerstein.
3: Yeah, they're going to demonetize this. They're going to take uh, take us down and copyright claim us for your uh, your, your usage <laughs> of the song.
2: So a lot of people uh, wonder, is it a crime to lie to voters? So Connor and I are going to get into some of the legal angles here uh, pertaining to this uh, oddball guy, George Santos. So what do you do when a guy wins an election? And it turns out he lied about his background. He's a Republican. He ran for Congress in New York, uh, north part of, uh, of Long Island, and a little sliver of Queens, I think. He's the first openly gay candidate to win in Congress. I think some some people have uh, won Mm re-election when they were openly gay, but I am told that this guy was the first in history to actually win without running for re-election. Uh who, when he's openly gay. So right. but oops, it turns out he didn't work at Citigroup, even though he said he did. He didn't work for Goldman Sachs, didn't graduate from Baruch College, didn't go to Horace Mann, the fancy prep school. All uh, of these things he said he did. Yeah. And plus he's uh he's Catholic. But he said, no, "I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background." So I said during the campaign, "I was Jewish." J-E-W hyphen, hyphen I-S-H. Unbelievable! Was, really incredible. Th- this guy is creative. Oh, I mean, in it, his really, deception. it it just keeps going, right?
3: He—he he said uh, 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 had previously said on Twitter that he was a landlord, but he does not appear uh, to have ever owned property in New York City or Nassau County, even though that's where he claimed right. uh, that he owned property in New York. He claimed that four of his former employees. Died in the Pulse mass club, uh, uh, Pulse nightclub mass shooting wow. of the gay nightclub in, in in Orlando, Florida. But the New York Times dove deep on this after, unfortunately, he won uh, his election and couldn't find. Any connections between any of the victims and his companies? Uh, of course, hi, the response to this is, oh, you know, he, you're, you're smearing my name and these are just exaggerations and, and people in, in uh, uh, politics make vague statements all the right? time. How, what do you mean you make vague statements? How, how could this be misinterpreted? How could anyone lo- hear you say the words, I'm Jewish, and think he doesn't mean he's yeah. actually uh, one of the chosen people. He's just Jew related. He's Jew hyphen ish.
2: Are you kidding me? Jewish adjacent. So this guy is—he's shameless. Uh, So there are big problems though with going after him. Right? There's a bias, Connor. I think, uh, in favor of letting voters decide when it turns out a politician is a creep and a liar, and it's kind of reminds you of the old lawyer joke. How do you know a lawyer is lying? His lips are moving. Same thing about politicians. That's how people think about politicians. How do you know they're lying? Their lips are moving. And so. The attitude is, again, if you look at the statutes, lying to voters isn't necessarily a crime. If you're going to prove fraud, you need proof uh, of intent that somebody really knew that they were lying. A bunch of investigations are getting off the ground, Connie. You got the Department of Justice in Washington. You got the Nassau County District Attorney. You got the New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, and the House Ethics Committee is going to be looking at this guy as well. And so some people are saying, well, gee, there must be a crime someplace. And there might be. Uh, if there's a financial crime, for example, you know, he went from like zero to 60 uh, somehow from being broken and he evicted a couple of times to having hundreds of thousands of dollars he could loan to his campaign. If there's a financial crime, somebody's going to dig it up. And, and so that's kind of separate and distinct from whether or not he should be booted because he lied to voters. In addition, Connor, I didn't realize this, but I was looking into some of the details, if you use a website, that theoretically can be wire fraud. So Might. if he's got a yeah. website in connection right. with his campaign, yeah. maybe
3: that's all the, the authorities need. This is this is very inside baseball, but the way that things are charged as crimes, unfortunately, we passed a lot of criminal statutes, a, criminal, a lot of state-level criminal lo- uh, statutes, laws that determine what is a crime and what isn't. We passed them as new technologies arose, specifically— the Telegraph uh, came out, right? And <laughs> right. then uh, and then, you know, we, people started sending money or making promises over the Telegraph to, oh, well, one bank is going to wire you the money. That just means they send a message to another bank that says, hey, if you pay that person out, we will repay you because we've got someone over here who has an account. And so instantly people said, oh my gosh, this is a brilliant avenue for crime. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is pretend to be a bank and say, hey, I'm Bank. Uh, I'm Bank of America, and pay please pay out my compatriot who's a criminal uh, a bunch of cash because I'll wire you the money later. Meaning I'll promise to pay you the money later, but really they just settle things out because they're both wiring money to each other's customers back and forth. And then boom, the guy just walks away because he's not really Bank of America. So the the Congress, uh, or rather the state legislature, said we have to stop this because we handle crimes, and they pass a law that says you can't do this, you can't do wire fraud, and then. Little technology calls the telephone comes around, and then a little technology called the internet comes around, and the laws don't really always get updated. Especially in every state, right. they sometimes stay the same, and you'll have a category like wire fraud that just gets expanded to be well, any crime that you 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 commit using a telephone, and then any crime that you commit using a dial-up internet connection over your telephone. So they and may then,
2: be able to go after him.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's just this bizarre thing. You're like, oh, did he commit wire fraud? Mm-hmm. What is what does that mean? Was he defrauding? pretending to be a bank over a telegram? No, it, it means that he committed an internet crime. And while the FTC is going after them and the uh, FCC can go after him and all these people could go after people for using different platforms because they, those are the jurisdictions that are determined by the type of crime that's involved. Santos specifically, though... Uh, did have an old-fashioned kind of uh, hokey crime that he committed, allegedly. Brazilian authorities claim <laughs> that when he was 19 years old, he committed check fraud in Brazil mm-hmm. by stealing the checkbooks or writing fake checks based on the checkbooks of old people who were in an old folks' home that he worked at or maybe his girlfriend worked at or something. So he either stole their checkbooks or wrote fake checkbooks against because these- a
2: regular Mother Teresa. Right, yeah.
3: against these old people's <laughs> accounts. And then he you know stole hundreds of dollars of retail stuff. I mean, small bean stuff- When he's 19 years old. So they
2: may be able to get him for the Brazilian stuff from many years ago. More likely, if they don't get him for wire fraud... If you lie on your campaign finance disclosure forms, that's a felony. And he did put a bunch of financial information on those forms. When you run for office, you got to fill out the forms. And the other thing, Connor, is voter fraud. If he doesn't live in the district, and apparently there's a suggestion that he doesn't, so there are different ways to go after him in terms of crimes. Just if you look at it, sort of a political solution, uh, the House of Representatives has the ability to, to expel him by a two-thirds vote. Only five times in American history has a member of the House of Representatives been bounced out by his or her colleagues, probably all guys. And uh, But, you know, it takes two-thirds vote. Uh, the Republicans might be a little reluctant to join yeah. the Democrats yeah. in the House. They might say, well, let's censure him, which is just basically a slap on the wrist. Right. You were really naughty. You don't lose your job. They could try to refuse to seat him, but the US Supreme Court actually about 50 years ago said, no, you have to seat somebody. If you really don't like him, you can try to kick him out later, but you're really spitting in the eye of the voters if you actually try not to to seat somebody. Yeah, that's
3: a bit that's a bridge too far in a lot of people's minds. And frankly, I think it's a zero percent chance that the Republicans have, I would say, enough political shame uh, (laughs) to to actually censure or remove or do anything with a guy like this, because they've learned from Trump that any admission of guilt whatsoever is weakness. And backing down whatsoever just opens the door to your opponent uh, shouting you down and shaming you. And so all you have to do is deny that you did anything wrong ever and uh, claim to be the person who's really the victim in this scenario. And Santos, I think, will cruise through this process and be seated. But the real underlying question here, I think the more important question than anything about, oh, how could this guy possibly have gotten elected, is how could the Democratic opposition research (laughs) machine where they have... Hundreds of millions of dollars ought to spend on these campaigns to preserve these seats. How could they have let this go through? Well, we have some political answers malpractice, yeah, right? Absolutely. Well, we have some answers. One, the Democratic uh, – uh, the C said, uh, here's the oppo research book on George Santos. We polished it. We sort of you know, shine it so it looks a little official and real. And they release it to the public. And they go, look, we did some research on this. They're admitting – they're saying, look, at least we do oppo research, I swear. But they are admitting that they had this oppo research book that has things like um, a, a bunch of unpaid debts and uh, his missing educational certifications. Uh, they couldn't find his uh, – his animal rescue nonprofit uh, is marked in the IRS. Databases. The researcher showed up. Oh, this doesn't exist. This 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 isn't real. Um, that he had this uh, this weird check fraud claim in Brazil from decades ago, mm-hmm. and that he has he has a shady past. Right? He's got unpaid debts. He's got outstanding criminal investigations. He's got educational background that doesn't add up. His his employment uh, with big Wall Street firms like Citigroup and the rest, and Morgan Stanley or wherever it was, wasn't wasn't substantiated by their Oppo research people. But they didn't do yeah. anything with that information. So what? why did they do this? And the answer uh, comes basically from the horse's mouth. A guy named Tyson Brody wrote a... Uh a uh, a letter to the editor um, to the New York Times after the New York Times reveals this, right? And Tyson mm-hmm. Brody did oppo research for people like Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Barack Obama. He's yeah you know, part of the political machine. And the idea that he writes this letter to the editor as he wrote it, like as though I'm independent, I'm just an independent, I'm a simple country oppo research guy writing to excuse mm-hmm. how the Democrats screwed this up. No, he is an operative of the Democratic Party, the DCCC, said to Tyson Brody, hey, write an article and make us look a little bit better about this, right? So he writes this letter to the editor of the New York Times in which 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 he says, well, yeah, it looks like they messed up a little bit, but look what they did. Okay. They did run on his actual political record. One, he said he, uh, paid for the fees of January six, illegal fees of January six rioters. And they highlighted that they slam him with that. Hmm. He said he supported a national abortion ban and look, they slammed him with that. He claims, um, uh, that he was at the uh, ellipse at the stop the steel rally in Washington, although he didn't actually storm the building, but he was at the stop the steel wash. So they slam him with that, and they're they're you know, he so Tyson partly Brody's, they did
2: their job, right. but they overlooked a bunch of really big stuff. Well,
3: Brody's saying they did this on purpose. He's subtly Ooh. sort of saw, uh, the side of his mouth saying maybe the Democrats did didn't highlight the fact that he's got unpaid debts and bad educational history and all this shady stuff because. Why did Trump uh, voters care about that crap? Right? Are Trump voters really going to care if he lied about going to some fancy Wall Street firm or his his uh, fancy uh, uh, you know private high school that he claimed? Right. His maybe they'd like that. Maybe they'd be like, "Yeah, stick it to him." He didn't go to those big law f- uh, you know big Wall Street firms after all. He's one of us. Like maybe they would actually lose points on that. So that's what Brody and the Democrats secretly through Brody uh, are saying is the reason that they didn't do their Oppo research. In reality, a twenty-year-old uh, moron did this opposition research and. Maybe he's a genius or she's a genius. I don't know. But they write this report. They hand it off to somebody else. And somebody else skims through it and goes, oh, they can't find his animal rescue thing. And they can't find this, that, blah, blah, blah. And they just sort of go, "Ah, I don't know. It doesn't seem that important. Let's go with the stop the steal stuff. They probably do that, and then it blows up in their faces yeah. well, because of the extent of it. How many ridiculous lies You're he's right. Got.
2: It's such a shame because if they had done their job effectively, it would have saved everybody so much trouble. The voters wouldn't be saddled with this guy. We wouldn't have all these issues. We wouldn't have lawsuits and, yeah, and criminal cases Not and so to blame on. the
3: victim, but I kind of agree. I think the Democrats screwed this one up royally. But again, obviously, the Republicans are way more the bad guy for literally saying, uh, this guy comes out of the woodwork, has no background. They do no background checks, or they do the checks worse, and they decide we don't care. And he says, "I'm a gay, Jewish, conservative uh, who loves Trump." And they go, "Shut up! Don't say a single next word." Here's five
2: million dollars, <laughs> and
3: please, 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 please run for office. We with us.
2: love you. Yeah. All right. So when we return, uh, we're going to tackle our second topic, which is should thought be illegal Ooh. but first connor's gonna tell you how to rate and subscribe to too many lawyers
3: yeah and check us out on the podcast platform you prefer if you got us on apple Podcasts, which you probably did numerically uh hit the join button or on any other podcast platform hit subscribe hit follow hit like leave us a review give us five stars leave us a note telling us how we can uh you know screw this show up even worse uh and uh look forward to big new things in 2023 uh uh, as we may be uh, invading some other platforms and uh, assaulting your ears from other directions. Uh, so check us out uh, and then get excited about that stuff coming.
0: We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico.
2: This is too many lawyers. I'm Noel and I'm Connor Oakes. So, Connor, topic number two: Should thought be illegal? Sounds like a bad idea, but let's let's try to explore. Yeah, generally, it and, and I would say thought it. crime in a sort of Aurelian sense. Bad idea. Bad idea. So, over in England is where this issue is coming up, but it relates to American issues as well. in In, uh, in Birmingham, England, last month, uh, there was an abortion clinic. And a woman was arrested for praying outside the clinic. So the idea is you've got to stop harassing and intimidating women who want to go to the clinic. And I think most everybody gets that. There's a buffer zone where, you know, it's kind of like at the polls. You, you can't be holding up a sign and try to be electioneering if you're close to the polls. So a cop goes up to this lady in Birmingham and says, are you praying? Because apparently she looked like she was praying. And she responded, well, I, I might be praying in my head, but not out loud. Might be. Uh, And that was it. Yeah, that was a little weird. She was arrested for praying in her head near an abortion clinic. Hey, I don't like this lady or what she's doing, but uh,
3: don't talk to the police. So good job there, not telling the police the truth one way or another. Well done. Uh, But again, don't like you.
2: So the Birmingham City Council order says that prohibited acts include... Um, Graphic, verbal, or written means prayer or counseling. And this is not the first thought crime they're prosecuting there in England. Last year, a guy named Nicholas Brock, he was convicted of thought crime in uh, Maidenhead, Berkshire. He's a neo-Nazi. He was given a four-year sentence for what the court called his toxic ideology based on the contents of the Uh, the home he shared with his mother there in Berkshire. Apparently, you know, a bunch of swastikas or some such thing. So British law is kind of a free speech nightmare compared to Americans' uh, approach. Uh, It makes possession of harmful material a crime, as well as condoning, denying, or grossly trivializing genocide, war crimes, crimes against humanity, and crimes against peace. These are crimes in England. You will go to the Tower of London. And it expressly states this law, the intent to combat forms... and expressions of racism and xenophobia by means of criminal law. Right. A man was convicted for sending a tweet while drunk referring to dead soldiers. Another was arrested for an anti-police T-shirt. Another was arrested for calling the Irish boyfriend of his ex-girlfriend a leprechaun. Well, that should be a crime. Yeah, well, for sure. That. <laughs> yeah. Another was arrested <laughs> for singing <laughs> for singing kung fu fighting. I bet he was saying he sang really badly. Yeah, kind of like probably. me and I, that uh, sound of music. Yeah, song. but more racist. Though. Yeah. <laughs> and a teenager was arrested. For protesting outside of a Scientology center with a sign calling the religion a cult, well, he's, see, there's a problem. It actually is. So this is England. Let's come a little closer to right, home here. Right, right. Is it against the law here in America to be racist? To have horrible thoughts? Uh, well, Kanye West inspired a lot of people oh, recently. Yeah. Good, Really good point. Uh, connected I, to teenagers West, yeah. have been putting up banners on freeway overpasses, uh, anti-Semitic things. There was a nutcase at an airport gate waiting area started screaming Heil Hitler. Do you think we have a slippery slope issue here in America, Connor, where we're tempted to sort of embrace this oddball English approach where if somebody believes something that we really don't like, then they belong in jail? So, I... Don't think. First off, I don't think there's any
3: danger of us sliding that direction because I think actually our free speech laws and our you know our First Amendment jurisprudence is driven mostly by the the Supreme Court's heavy hand at the top, right? Mm-hmm. They can even no matter what the lower courts do, the, the Supreme Court can step in and event, and overrule them and make the determination. And is that likely to happen in a world where we have a conservative supermajority, where they're going to start making you know uh, liberal thought crimes uh, I- illegal? Um, uh, no, I don't think that's the case. Um, I do uh, worry about things going the other direction, where we have uh, conservatives getting a little antsy about uh, about uh, about thought crimes. But in terms of you know whether we have a moral—your real question, and now that I've blathered for a second—your <laughs> your real question about whether we have a moral obligation uh, to change our First Amendment jurisprudence, change our laws in a way that make it more difficult or impossible uh, to marginalize people, to say things that are hurtful and make the world a worse place, make our society a worse place— Oh, my gosh, a really complicated question. This is the problem of tolerance, right? The problem of tolerance in philosophy and law uh, that, that philosophers and, and people who write laws have, have thought about and, and, and mulled over deeply for, for centuries is if, you, uh, uh, allow, if you're tolerant of intolerance, then you lose – your society will lose its tolerance. The notion of being tolerant to all, including those whose views are intolerant, means you are ceding the power to those uh, who are intolerant to take the power in your society, determine what can be said and done, and therefore lead these down the slippery slope to fascism. So, unless you, uh, the the famous quote, uh, the sort of story that people have relayed, um, is uh, uh, the if you if your local motorcycle bar doesn't kick out the Nazi bikers. It will become the local Nazi motorcycle bar, right? If you open, if you have open arms for all, and you don't enforce the rules of your community, uh, the rules of conduct in your community, it will inevitably attract the worst element who want the freedom to operate without any sort of enforcement of rules, right? So, how do you maintain a healthy community or country or society or public discourse? And the answer is, you do have to. Uh, shame and control speech uh, that is inherently intolerant. It's always the def- definition of that. It's always deciding who is truly intolerant. Who is the the group that we must exclude? Well, it's easy when it's Nazis, right? It's easy to say you shouldn't uh, have a, the political discourse uh, be, uh, you know, include, uh, air quotes, the Jewish question. Well, that's Once right. Once you I start mean, going that the direction. The Nazis
2: are easy, but, you yeah. know, the, pr- the difficulty is when you get into the Ann Coulter and the Tucker Carlson situation. Yeah. UC Berkeley students would embrace the philosophy you described in Ago, and they would say, you know what, Ann and Tucker should not be allowed to, co- to come to Sather Gate and speak on Berkeley campus right. yeah. because that would be committing a form of violence uh, that actually justifies violence in, res- in response. It justifies shutting them down and making sure they don't speak. So, so there's that debate. The, the related debate, though, Connor is what about hate crimes, where you want to commit, you want to uh, punish the commission of a physical act, an assault, or something like that, but you want to punish it more if the motivation of the assaulter was a hateful one, a racist one, as opposed to, oh, just I'm in a bad mood today and, you know, I'm just going to attack that person, throw them onto the subway tracks and so on. Right. I I mean, it's a huge debate. Uh, Some people don't believe in hate crimes. You know, is it really worth another few years in jail when the reason you hit somebody in the head was racism? A lot of people think, yeah, it it is worth it. Uh, We worry about thought police. But the fact is we want to discourage and punish uh hateful activity so th- all of these questions are really difficult there is no is, easy absolutely. answer to any aspect I, of it. I
3: mean it's not it's not like we can wave our magic wands and come up with any instant solution to this right a guy named karl popper in 1945 wonder why 1945 what what important event had just concluded in 1945 oh right the world had just finished beating the nazis right and he wrote a, bu- a book called the open society and its enemies and in his book he wrote about how We must... Um, well, the book was really about this concept of like a philosopher king who would make all decisions for us and how mm-hmm. it would be preferable. But it was sort of a metaphor. Don't worry about Popper; he had some crazy ideas. It's fine. Other people developed and built on like Popper. Jimmy Carter
2: with a crown.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, he said, "Look, the the he came up with this concept of the the paradox of tolerance that if you allow the Nazis into your bar, they will take over." And mm-hmm. he that that is not a natural evolution. That's not necessarily a slippery slope, right? A lot of people would say, "Well, you just have Nazis in the conversation; they're at the table, but everybody votes them down." That. In democracy, they always just get shouted down and it's okay. But the problem is that we don't live in a perfect, pure democracy where we all have an equal share of of the conversation and everyone's attention. It's that if you allow people uh, to develop in smaller communities, to take power in smaller communities, that it snowballs. And that inevitably, uh, fascist or anti-democratic ideas are very powerful and very compelling. And you have to fight them back every single inch, every single day, every single year and push it away or else they will take back over because by their nature, they are anti-democratic. Democratic by their nature, they creep in and take over your democratic measures, and then boom! Suddenly, you've got a bunch of Nazis in office, uh, and you've got uh, you know 1930s uh, Germany all over again. So that is the, the 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 real danger. And lots of people have moved in and involved on top of this. Are hate crime laws a an effective way of society saying to the public at all times, at all moments, hey, we're taking this problem seriously. Hey. If you try, if you try to get your camel's nose under this tent, we will bat your nose out of here harsher than we would if you're just a drunk jerk who gets in a bar fight. Mm-hmm. If you get or a drunk jerk who gets in a bar fight and yells something racist while you do it, you get an extra heavy slap on the wrist or extra, you know, really heavy punishment where you're already a bad person for getting into a bar fight and uh, unprovoked. You're already a bad first person for committing a crime. We're just going to amp it up so that we tell everybody, hey, we're not policing thought. You can have a discussion where you 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 write a letter to the editor, and it's not a crime until you're accompanying it with a crime, and then we get an escalation. I think that is actually a really smart way of dealing with the problem of paradox of tolerance, the pr- s- smart way of dealing with it, the inevitable danger that uh, the conversation will be shifted in that direction, because it's just a constant reminder to everyone. Oh, right. These are things that we don't tolerate. These are things that we don't accept. These are things that are not okay in a free society, and the way that we know that is these escalations for crimes that are underlying themselves already crimes right. instead of trying to police letters of the editor of the new york times which is already really really hard
2: well tough questions without super clear answers that's what we that's oh, what like we're Carl having Popper fun with here. Them all. <laughs> but you know it's interesting connor there's some tough questions that that actually have clear answers right oh, yeah? and wrong oh yeah those are the guess the verdict questions Yes. Yeah. and when we come Can't back wait. uh america's favorite game show guess
1: the verdict
2: Tickets. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Conroy. So we've reached the final segment. The best the segment. The best segment when I. I ask Connor uh, a big question. Is is the guest the verdict a game? I give him the facts of a real-life case, and you get to guess the outcome. Are you ready for this? Can't wait. Now, uh, at the top of the show, I mentioned this is the case of the sexualized accident victim, so we're just going to have to send the children to bed uh, for this one. (laughs) Okay. So, 33-year-old Charmaine Johnston has sued a man who caused an automobile accident in which she was injured. That so happens all the time. Several years earlier. Yeah, but this suit's a little different. I say she wins. Oh, wait, no, hold on. Wait, well, give me all the facts. Okay, okay let's okay. Let's too early, too early, too early. The suit demands that he, the guy who hit her, right. guy, pay for her son's upbringing. What was her theory? Well, as right. a result of brain damage caused by the accident, she would act impulsively and without judgment or thought of consequences whenever an opportunity arose to have sex. As a result, her son was conceived, and she wants help paying for the cost of little little Timmy's raising, okay? So this isn't a a wrongful death case. It's a wrongful birth case. Wrongful birth case. So Charmaine is suing the guy that caused the accident, and she wants the cost of raising little Timmy because... But for her being turned into some sort yeah. of a Madonna gone wild, right, 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 uh, she never would have had a little Timmy.
3: Okay. So first off, the cost of raising a child. Uh, at le- I don't know when this happened, but the, the, in 2023, uh, I don't have any kids, but I understand it is upwards of a million bucks, maybe multiple. This was millions. 1600s Prussia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. That makes a lot more sense. So it was more like a wagon crash, maybe <laughs> like a horseback riding accident. So no, they hadn't invented wagons. Oh, okay, <laughs> the wheel. And they hadn't done the wheel yet. Okay. So, um, yeah, this one's going to be a stretch. Uh, I think this one crossed our desk because of the ludicrous concept. I can't imagine that she actually uh, wins on this one. Now you can, you can. After somebody causes a car accident, you can get your damages for your car being busted. You can get your damages for your personal injuries, as I well know, as that is the sort of law that I do. I defend those cases uh, as my day job. When I'm not bloviating on a podcast, I'm defending people who get sued after uh, after car accidents or other personal injury claims. Um so it, you can get your personal injuries, you can get your property damaged like your vehicle. Uh you can even get uh damages if you are say a uh they the the concept is called an eggshell skull plaintiff. If you have a very fragile sc- skull made of the finest softest uh, most fragile eggshell and somebody negligently hits you with their car and cracks your skull and you go to the hospital and incur a million dollars of medical bills, and then they get sued and they go, whoa, 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 I, I should only have to pay for somebody, you know, the ordinary type of person. I got in a car accident I didn't expect you to, to incur a million dollars in meds because you have a fragile right. skull. And the answer is, too bad, buddy. Don't get in car accidents with people. The eggshell skull doctrine says you're responsible for any uh, consequences uh, of your harm uh, bounded only by this concept of foreseeability in the law but it's totally foreseeable that the person you hit with your car might be fragile in an in an unusual way cuz guess what most people are fragile in one way. I would or another. say she
2: was fragile in an unusual yeah. way, so that's a good an, way to put it. She,
3: she's, a, she's an eggshell uh, uh sex plaintiff where she where she, her 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 concept of sex and risk taking and the rest uh is is somehow impacted. That's the first issue. uh you have a causation issue. She has to prove that he actually did cause her to become a maniac uh in that department. Uh, is it possible that that happens? I don't know, maybe, right? Maybe there's some psychological theory where people's brains get bonked in a certain way and then all they want to do is bonk. I don't know, but maybe, maybe that's possible. Maybe she can get an expert to prove that. If she gets an expert to prove that, then there's this concept of foreseeability. Is it reasonably foreseeable that this person, that a person would suffer harm of this type from this type of car accident? And I think this is where this falls apart. I think there's any possibility that they get a jury to uh, convince a jury that she uh, actually, uh, that this is sort of within the scope of the risk of the concept uh, of a car accident, that, that you might end up paying for somebody's kid, right? That you might end up harming her in a way that her pain and suffering... And humiliation and embarrassment and and inconvenience and everything else leads her to you know live life in a worse way. she you get compensated for that? And even if she proves that she is now way too into sex and takes too many risks, she might be able to get compensated for that. But so to pay for her son's yeah. upbringing
2: for you're, decades? So you're gonna Not get, a you're guessing she loses zero so, percent. So I got I got good news and I got bad news. Uh-oh. the good news is that you've just given us a rational, analytical, and thoughtful evaluation yeah. of this case. Bad news is the jury gave her a million and a half. No way! Yeah. Well, Connor, juries sometimes make mistakes. That's what the appellate courts are oh for, right? Goodness. Or a judge granting a new trial motion or something like oh that. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, she probably was, you know, really appealing and he probably was a real creep. My twenty twenty-three batting average starts out <laughs> at a big fat zero. The the season is long, Connor. Come you got on. Plenty of time to make a comeback. Well you're right, here we are in twenty twenty three. It's gonna be a brand new, wonderful year, much better than twenty twenty two. Tear it all down. Burn the system down. It's broken. Too many lawyers in this world. And we hope to see everybody many times on the
0: podcast. Too many lawyers. Have a great week.